1: What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Candlestick Chronicles. My name's Chris Biederman. I cover the 49ers for the Sacramento Bee, and I'm joined, as always, by Kyle Madsen of Niners Wire on the USA Today Sports Media Group. Kyle, you had a gym session this morning. How'd it go?
2: Oh, it was great. Uh, Chest and back to start the week, a little cardio in there. I was going to do core, but I cut that out because I had to get here to record this podcast. So you're welcome, everybody.
1: All right, well, that's great news, Kyle. Um, I actually went to yoga today, which was really nice after a long weekend of watching football. But uh, we're going to we're gonna do something a little bit different that we haven't done yet since we launched this podcast. We're going to do a mailbag episode of this podcast. But I guess before we start taking questions from, from our listeners on Twitter and, and our followers, there's been an Antonio Brown update. Uh, Jerry Rice, the greatest receiver of all time, the 49ers Hall of Famer, Went on 95 7 the game on Monday and basically said that he's spoken with Antonio Brown. Brown, of course, posted uh images of their FaceTime conversation on his Instagram story. And and Rice said, uh he was asked, you know, if if Antonio Brown wants to come uh, to the 49ers. So here's the quote: uh Yeah, 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 yeah. He wants to come here really bad. He's talking about running the hill with me, doing all that, and just working out, just picking my brain. I don't know if it's going to happen because it's going to be up to Kyle Shanahan and also John Lynch, but I'm all for it if they want him to come on board. And I would be looking forward to just passing some of that knowledge on to him and being around this guy because I know he's a great individual. So I think it, it mostly, you know, confirms what we sort of have observed via Antonio Brown's social media habits these last few weeks since all the uh, speculation has come out about his uncertain future with the Steelers. He's you know, he's he's been tweeted at by by George Kittle and Joe Staley. Um, he's posted pictures of Jerry Rice calling him the goat. Uh, so this sort of just confirms what I think we already know. And, and the key thing here is that it doesn't really matter where Antonio Brown wants to go. Ultimately, it's going to be up to the Steelers to, to decide his future. Um, so, Kyle, what, what do you think of, of this latest development and, and what it sort of says about this situation?
2: I think it says that people think Brown has way more agency than he actually does in this situation. Uh, if the Steelers want to trade Antonio Brown to the Cardinals because the Cardinals offer the number one overall pick, Antonio Brown's going to play for the Cardinals next year. He can threaten to retire and go the Gronk route and all that, but there's no obligation for him to come to San Francisco and there's no obligation for the Steelers to, to make a deal. Uh, all the Instagram posts and all the tweets from him and Niners players in the world don't, don't matter. Uh, the Steelers aren't on good terms with Brown. They're not going to send him where he wants to go. This isn't going to be a situation where they go, hey, your time's up here. We're moving on. But you know, we want to send you to a good situation. They don't like this dude. They're not on good terms. They're going to send him to whoever gives them the best deal. And I promise the 49ers aren't the only team that's going to uh, reach out and, and offer a package for for Antonio Brown.
1: Yeah, any team with cap space needing a wide receiver is probably going to reach out. I, I don't think uh, the, the 49ers are, are going to offer this year's first round pick, and we can talk about that a little bit more in our mailbag because we've got a question about that. Um, but, you know, it only takes one team to offer, you know, a 2019 first round pick, and we saw it with Amari Cooper and the Cowboys. Uh, really, there there wasn't a whole lot of buzz that Amari Cooper would get a first round pick back in a trade from, from the Raiders, but it. it, it the Cowboys did it. And, and, you know, you could, you could make the argument about whether or not that was a, that was a good trade or not. It certainly appeared like it was late in the season, but um, you know, people in Pittsburgh, I, I know Kyle, your boss, Neil and my former boss who, who was a Steelers follower and writes a lot about the Steelers. He doesn't think Brown's going to fetch a first round pick in a trade hmm. um, just because of, you know, the way he is off the field and, and teams are going to be so hesitant to, to bring him in. Um, and ultimately, his other point was that, you know, if the Steelers think that Brown is worth a first-round pick, then they might as well just keep him rather than pay him, you know, over $21 million in dead cap money to play elsewhere. Um, that's obviously a huge factor going going into this thing too. So, yeah, Antonio Brown wants to play for the 49ers. By no means does that mean he's coming here. Do, do, that doesn't mean that the 49ers really have any interest in bringing, bringing Brown in. There's been radio silence on that front and maybe – Kyle Shanahan will get asked about it uh, at the Senior Bowl coming up next week. But that's the latest Antonio Brown update. He wants to come to the 49ers, according to Jerry Rice, uh, who really, another point, Rice coming out and saying this publicly isn't doing the 49ers any favors because if Brown does go to another team and another team offers a a better trade package, then all of a sudden the 49ers are going to look really bad and the the optics of it aren't going to be great. And there are going to be fans who are going to be upset that Brown isn't playing for the 49ers. So, you know, some of this stuff from the 49ers perspective, I would imagine they would prefer this is just left unsaid. And, and you know, this situation, expectations are are growing in the sense that, okay, Brown wants to come here. It's, it fits. They have the cap space, yada, yada, yada. You know, if the, if the 49ers decide we don't want to add this guy, we'd rather go a different direction, then people are going to be upset about it largely because, you know, of all this momentum generated and in part by Rice, you know, adding fuel to this fire.
2: Yeah. Last thing for me on this, I would just caution 49ers fans who think this is a foregone conclusion to just, just pump the brakes a little bit. And maybe, maybe Brown does wind up in, in a 49ers uniform next year and all this, uh, all this wishing comes to fruition. But there is an equally, if not better, chance that he winds up playing elsewhere, including Pittsburgh next year. So uh, I would just, like I said, pump the brakes a little bit because it's there's there's a long way to go before that transaction happens if it's going to.
1: There are thirty one teams in the league, and a bunch of other, a bunch of them have needs at receiver. And the Steelers are looking at paying over twenty one million dollars in dead money just to have Brown play elsewhere. So. I mean, maybe they have a kumbaya moment. Maybe they figure it out and put all this behind them and and Brown finishes his career in Pittsburgh. That's also possible too. So with that, why don't we go into our mailbag? Our first question is going to be about Antonio Brown. It's from somebody named Leandro Barbosa at Les Silvab with a V asks. uh, He's from Brazil. What is truth and what is your speculation about Brown and what really counts to bring him in? Uh, What is speculation is that, the 49ers have interest. We don't know that the 49ers have interest. Right. Um, we don't know for sure how willing the Steelers are when it comes to putting Brown on the trade block. Art Rooney II came out last week and said, it's definitely being considered. Um, but there's going to be a lot of time potentially for the Steelers to reconcile that relationship. Uh, so basically, this is all speculation. The only thing we, we do know is that Brown's relationship with the Steelers is tenuous. Um, multiple outlets have reported that Brown wants a trade, but that that hasn't been that hasn't been verified with certainty. Um, and then Jerry Rice coming out and saying that Brown wants to be a Forty Nine er. I mean, you know, I, I'm not I'm not going to question Rice's credibility on, on this. I don't think he's lying, but um, but you know, we we don't we don't really know for sure how badly Brown wants to come or if Brown was just, you know, having a conversation with rice and and they were, you know, being, it was friendly banter and and things like that. So we, we don't really know exactly where all this stands until someone goes on the record from the 49ers and says, yeah, we're interested or, or the trade happens and he goes elsewhere or goes to San Francisco. It's all really speculation at this point.
2: The other thing we know is that Art Rooney, the second said they're not going to cut him and that, all other options are on the table. But as you said, and, and I don't think it can be emphasized enough, the 49ers players sending tweets to Antonio Brown is great. But if John Lynch, Kyle Shanahan, and the front office evaluate uh, his production and how he fits in the offense, which, I mean, I don't know. There are myriad factors that could come up where, where the Niners say, no, thank you. We would rather keep our draft capital and and build through younger players. We think we can find productive receivers elsewhere. Uh, there, there's definitely a chance that happens. And the interest from the 49ers has only really come from players on social media.
1: Correct. So let, let's go on to the next question. Uh, it is from unfinished business at Ryan Stip Utes. Looks like a Utah football fan. Uh, would the Niners be willing to give up the number two pick for Antonio Brown? His feeling is they would need to give up something big like that for him. I would be completely shocked if the Niners included that number two overall pick in discussions for Brown. I think it would; they would the Steelers would probably have to attach their first round pick to Brown in that deal, and it would be a pick swap. Uh, I just don't see the 49ers giving up an asset that valuable. I mean, it's it, it's that it's the most valuable asset that they've had in years, and since since you know since well i guess they had the number 2 pick 2 years ago when they when they took Solomon Thomas but really it, it's it's the most coveted the second most coveted asset in the NFL aside from the number 1 pick which Arizona has obviously um, i do not think for for getting a 31 year old receiver no matter how good he is uh, on with, with 3 years left on his contract even though it is pretty affordable i just don't think the 49ers would give up potentially five years of a young player on an affordable contract who could really solve a lot of their issues, perhaps even more so than Brown could. Um, you know, getting, you know, if, if they were able to get a a Nick Bosa who turned into an all-pro-type pass rusher or or Josh Allen who, you know, some people think compares favorably to Von Miller. Um, I just think that that idea is way more valuable than, than three years of Antonio Brown, who is a huge question mark and would come with significant risk. Um, I think if – and I've written this before. I think if the 49ers do make a trade for Antonio Brown, I think it might center around their 2020 first-round pick because if the 49ers were to get Brown and they got a full season of Jimmy Garoppolo and a full season of Jarek McKinnon, they're probably in you know – they're at least 500 – Probably in the hunt for the playoffs and probably picking, you know, well outside the top 10, maybe even in the 20s if they make the playoffs. So that pick is inherently less valuable than their number two pick, obviously. Um, So maybe that's what the 49ers offer, or maybe they trade back from number two, acquire more, more draft capital that they could send to Pittsburgh. Um, but it's my opinion, and this is just a gut feeling that number two is, is way too high a price to, to give Pittsburgh for Antonio Brown.
2: I looked up synonyms for shocked, uh, amazed, aghast, astonished, uh, astounded, flabbergasted that that's what I would be if they traded the number two pick. If this was like, let's say the 2011 49ers somehow wound up with the number two pick. I could see them maybe going that route because that team was like a number one receiver away from being the best team in the league and this iteration of the 49ers is not that they have so many other holes beyond wide receiver that that trading the number 2 pick or even like like you brought up a, a pick swap with the Steelers plus Antonio Brown I just I can't see that happening they have they have way too many other holes that need that need elite level talent and that's what they can get uh with the number 2 pick
1: Agreed. So, okay, let's go on to the next question. Cesar Romero at CJR912 asks, the clear flirting between Antonio Brown and the 49ers is not considered tampering. What's the risk for the Niners, if any, on that front? Um, so tampering, I, I went through the the collective bargaining agreement. I skimmed through it. Um, I mean, if, if there were members of the 49ers front office back-channeling to Antonio Brown and talking about you know, this is we could restructure your contract, and this is how much we could give you. And negotiating financials—that um, would be tampering. So George Kittle, uh, you know, saying sup in, in a tweet to Antonio Brown is is not tampering. Neither is Joe Staley tweeting a, a hand waving emoji to Brown. That's, I mean, that there there's no there's no risk for the 49ers on that front. That's that's not tampering at all. The only tampering that that you know the 49ers could get in trouble in this case if they were doing it, which we have no evidence to say that they are but if they were back channeling to Brown and his representatives and talking about you know if if Brown wanted to restructure his contract or you know if there are other of those those sort of pitches being made behind the scenes, then the 49ers could potentially get in trouble. Um, but I don't think any of these tweets from players really qualifies uh, and I'm not even sure. Players players can be charged with tampering. I know you know John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan aren't going to be able to to identify Antonio Brown specifically when they're asked these questions. Um, but I I feel pretty comfortable in saying they'll say, well, I can't mention I can't mention any player by name, but we're going to look into all avenues to improving the roster or something like that. Uh, so if if they were to say, yeah, we're we're really interested in trading for Antonio Brown on the record, then that could be considered tampering. And that's something they could get in trouble with, but players sending emojis and tweets and stuff like that. That's, that's not going to get the 49ers. Yeah. Trouble.
2: That's effectively players like having friends. I mean, it's way too vague. They can't, the league can't bust them on anything like that. So no, they, the Niners from that, uh, from the social media aspect, don't have anything to worry about.
1: Okay. So next question, Clayton Ewart, E Ewert, I, I don't know how to pronounce your name. Yeah. I really apologize. It's at Clayton E-W-A-R-T. Uh, if Bosa goes number one overall, can the 49ers pass on Keenan Williams or is Josh Allen a better tool than Williams? Um, Man, how angry would 49ers fans be if the Niners drafted another defensive tackle? In, in the Let me look 10? up synonyms for angry. 49ers. Hang on.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Dude, their 49er fans, I think, would melt down pretty badly. Uh, just especially because of the way some of those picks kind of have panned out. Uh Eric Armstead's been okay. Solomon Thomas has been pretty underwhelming as the number three overall pick. Unless Quinn and Williams is gonna be Aaron Donald 2.0, the
1: there
2: there's there would never be any justifying that pick.
1: So I can't rule it out completely because there's a reasonable chance that if the team just decides to stick to its board and take the best player available, that Keenan Williams is that guy. Um, but I think it would have to happen with Eric Armstead not, bring brought, not being brought back on his fifth-year option, paying him over $9 million. Um, or if the team decides that they don't want to pay DeForest Buckner uh, a huge amount of money, on his second contract and which could be upwards of, you know, 20 million a season, depending on when he signs and how productive he is next year. Um, So there's a scenario where taking Keenan Williams makes sense. And he looks like he'll be a really good player, but if the 49ers plan on signing to Forrest Buckner long-term and bringing back Eric Armstead, it really doesn't make much sense at all. And, you know, Keenan Williams is a three technique, which is the same position DeForest Buckner plays, and I don't know if he could be a nose tackle, which is the other defensive tackle position. Nor do I think is it smart to to draft a nose tackle with with the second overall pick. It's just not a position that plays a ton of snaps. Um, but I, I mean, I do think you know you saw it with the Rams, Aaron Donald and and Damakon Sue is is a really good combination. But the Rams got Sue in free agency. Uh, they didn't get they didn't get Sue you know, with, with, that, with a top five draft pick. So I think Josh Allen would, would be a really good pick for the 49ers. He sort of a, exemplifies everything they need off the edge just in terms of athleticism and, and really speed. They, they just need somebody who could win with elite speed on the outside. And even if he isn't getting gaudy sack numbers, somebody who can push the quarterback up into the interior where you know Solomon Thomas or DeForest Buckner could, could presumably clean up more sacks. Um, I, I tweeted this out. There, there was an interesting stat. I, I want to say it was from the NFL's research department that said D Ford, the, uh, the chiefs defensive end, who's, who's also slated for free agency, but probably not going to hit the open market because they're going to give him the franchise tag. Most likely he was, he played a role in 11 of the chiefs defensive takeaways. So either by pressuring the quarterback or forcing a fumble, uh, or, you know, forcing the quarterback to throw an interception, he was credited with being part of eleven turnovers this season. The 49ers had seven takeaways on the year, which is a record for the fewest in NFL history. So that, that just sort of goes to show, you know, <laughs> if they would have had D4 doing what he did with the Chiefs, they could have doubled up their turnover margin or their turnover, their takeaway number, I should say. And and who knows, you know, what what type of effect that has on the entire team. I'm sure they would have had more than four wins. So that's sort of what I think about with Josh Allen, who who is a speed rusher off the edge and and who has a propensity for for knocking the ball out and, and making quarterbacks. In
2: My take is that even if Nick Bosa is available at two, they should still at the very least consider Josh Allen, just because I think he he would do so many things for them. Um, but yeah, I I, I think uh, I, I I think getting back to to Williams, I'm not sure there's a route that justifies picking him it would be it would be v- a very tough sell
1: yeah and I was uh you know I, I was at the national championship game I, I was on the field and and saw Keenan Williams during warm-ups and he just I mean he's a big guy but he's he's not he's not deForest Buckner and he, he doesn't just he, he doesn't seem like a, a physically imposing player someone you could count on to really just be a, a well now there's it a... <laughs> franchise altering force uh, in the middle of your defense. I think just just with the fact the 49ers already have that player in DeForest Buckner, I just it just doesn't really seem like it makes much sense even though I am usually a strong proponent of just taking the best guy on your board. And maybe, you know, if another team really wants Williams number 2, maybe that leads to the 49ers moving back.
2: All right, let's move on to this next question from Kieran Baloor, I believe is the name, uh, at K Blizzard Asks, how do you think Nick Foles and possibly Joe Flacco's availability will impact the trade market for a quarterback in the draft? That's a good question.
1: That is a good question. So, Okay, so if we're going to run down quarterback-needy teams this offseason, we have to look at Denver, Miami, uh, the New York Giants, the Jacksonville Jaguars, and are there any
2: others? Um, I don't think, at least not immediately. I don't think.
1: Okay, so so let's go through. So that's four teams. Um, the Giants pick six. The Jaguars pick seven. The Dolphins pick thirteen. Uh, does Wa- Washington might need a quarterback with their Ale- with Alex ah, Smith yeah, being hurt? that's a good one. So maybe that's five um and depending on what happens with the Raiders maybe that's six if if they decide that they want to move on from Derek Carr so when I look at Joe Flacco I I don't really think adding Joe Flacco would preclude one of these teams from from using from using their their draft pick on on a quarterback I think you know maybe if the Jaguars think they can just rely on the running game and their defense similar like they have under Blake Bortles they could just have Flacco sort of work with play action and, and because he's, you know, so good at, at throwing deep passes when he, when he actually is being aggressive and throwing those passes and not just checking down every snap. Um, maybe the Jags think Flacco fits, um, you know, do the giants, maybe the giants are looking for more of that instant gratification. Maybe they go after Foles and, and think that, you know, Foles shine in the spotlight with the Eagles winning the super bowl and, and their impressive run of the playoffs this year and, and winning in Chicago Maybe the Giants are the team that likes Nick Foles. I, I'm not entirely sure. Um, but, you know, with Kyler Murray's potential availability in the draft with Dwayne Haskins, it just seems like that these teams would be wiser to to draft those players and target those young players than than Joe Flacco or, or Nick Foles, in my opinion. And I'm not sure. I just don't if, – if one of these guys wants one of these quarterbacks, I, I don't think – I think they're more likely to, if they need a quarterback, they're more likely to try trading up with the 49ers and settling on Joe Flacco or Nick Foles and saying, all right, we're all set. We're going to go compete for a Yeah, I
2: think the only way, the only way it would really um, impact the 49ers is if um, I I guess if somehow one of those picks gets involved uh, in a, in a trade. Um, But no, I'm, I'm with you. Foles is 29. So conceivably, a uh, team like the Jaguars might go, yeah, let's take a flyer on this guy. You don't have to pay him elite quarterback money, and uh, they'll see what they can do with him. And, and that takes one team out of the running at the top of the draft. I think more important for for the the Niners is how this draft class shakes out quarterback-wise, um, how Kyler Murray measures out. Because I think if Kyler Murray gets to the combine and measures in at like 5'8", I think that dramatically impacts his draft stock. Um, and then we have to see how, how Haskins works out, and then I forget the kid from Duke, but uh, the Duke quarterback I've seen uh, getting some first-round buzz. So I think that's going to have way more of an impact than either Joe Flacco or Nick Foles does.
1: Yeah, it's it's my sense, and it's very early, um, and I'm not a scout, but I think Murray and Haskins are are probably the two quarterbacks most likely to get true top-10 consideration. And if I think if Haskins really – impresses teams in you know leading up to the draft and has a really good combine throwing the ball and and things like that Um, I mean I went to Ohio State and I watched a lot of his games and I think he he plays really well I think he he's he's uh, has good anticipation with his throws he can make a lot of different types of throws Um, he doesn't throw many interceptions Ohio State really put together a complicated passing game with him under center which is a pretty far departure from, from what they have been in previous seasons under their, under their run first quarterbacks like uh, Barrett and, and guys like that. So I think Haskins could potentially you know be in that conversation for the number one overall pick. He certainly has the arm strength and, and all the size requirements that, that you would look for in that position and the production, although people will have questions about that coming with just one season of, of starting experience for Ohio State. So we'll have to see. And, and like you mentioned, Kyler Murray – not being a tall, tall guy, um, is is going to be a huge storyline on top of you know his his possible future playing baseball and, and things like that. Uh, why don't we move on to the next question, um, Jason? Our booth, not I, I've gotten all yeah, the really you... difficult names. To, <laughs> it... uh, I really apologize is that your to criteria Jason? Criteria for picking questions
2: is uh, like I, I can't pronounce this guy's name. let it. The
1: yeah, the more complicated. I mean. So my name doesn't look, doesn't sound anything like it looks in terms of pronunciation. So maybe I just gravitate, gravitate towards that. Um, So Jason asks, is Eric Armstead, comma, a one-stopping big end, which we have plenty of, worth a $9 million option?
2: Great question.
1: So I think that, so yeah, I think this is really interesting because if you're paying Armstead based on past production, um, then no, then, then he's not worth that. Um, but if you're paying Armstead based on what you think he can be, if he continues to improve and stay healthy like he did in 2018, then I think you could sort of justify it. And and I go back to DeForest Buckner. And obviously Buckner is, is a far more productive player than Armstead. But you'll remember in 2017, Buckner had just three sacks, right? And his pressure rate was still really good. Uh, I think he had 55 pressures in in 2017, which was near the top uh, of defensive tackles in the league. And I think that's a pro football focused stat. This year Buckner had 58. So we obviously saw his sack total jump from three to 12, but overall his propensity to pressure the quarterback didn't really change all that much. He was still a productive player. He just got home more often uh, and, I think there there's a there's a thought that some people within the organization think Armstead could make that similar step. So that's not to say that Armstead is gonna gonna be a, a double digit sack guy next year. But if Armstead in 2019 plays 16 games like he did in 2018 and his sack total jumps from, say it jumps from three to eight and he plays you know the second or third most among any any of the team's defensive linemen. And he remains really good against the run and just overall improves on the margins of his game. Then you can say, yeah, paying Armstead 9 million is worth it. But with that being said, there, there's a ton of risk in bringing Armstead back because he missed eight games in 2016 with the, with the shoulder injury. He missed 10 games in 2017 with a hand injury. Um, and he only had four sacks total over, over those two seasons. And he has nine sacks for his career. So, I think it's a tough question for the 49ers to answer. I would lean that they decide to not pay Armstead that option because it's fully guaranteed. So that means if Armstead plays 16 games, he'll get over $9 million, or if he plays two games, he'll get over $9 million. And I think the 49ers would feel far more comfortable trying to offer him maybe a multi-year extension that gives him more than $9 million guaranteed but also comes with roster bonuses that gives the 49ers some insurance that aren't should Armstead get hurt. Or they say, you know what? We have Contavious street, the fourth round pick last year who, who didn't play because he was recovering from a pre-draft torn ACL. Or they really like Julian Taylor, uh, a late round draft pick last year who, who started some games in the preseason and, and played pretty well, but also has a lengthy injury history dating back to college. Just his time at temple. He really only had one productive season in college. So it's definitely an interesting question. Um, but the 49ers have been willing to pay guys in the past, they did it with Jimmy Ward last year, uh, despite all the risk coming in to the season with him. So it, it's a little bit different this year because they do have some other options in, in Street and Taylor. Um, and maybe maybe they just decide to move on. Maybe they said, you know, we we learned from our Jimmy Ward mistake. Uh, we don't want to take a risk with a player like that again. Or maybe they say this is a guy we think can can have double digit sacks next year and still be really good against the run. And there's some untapped. Potential yeah, I'm there.
2: I'm more on that. I'm more on that side. I would I would really like to see him give Armstead one more year uh, in a in a more complete version of this defense. Just because I think he he does have the potential to be really good. I mean, there was a reason he was a first round pick. Uh, and I, and I think that that one year or like you said, a, a multi year deal uh, with the roster bonuses. Uh, might might be the move, but I, I just I, I really think they need to at least give him one more year because I, I do think there's there's more there than what we've seen.
1: And, and they're going to have, um, you know, Armstead would clear up significant amount of cap space, but they're going to have over 60 million in cap space regardless. So it in the big picture, it, it might sound like a lot of money, but it's probably not going to be a prohibitive amount in terms of what they what else they want to accomplish. But it's going to be an interesting question. And uh, another thing we should note: Armstead broke his hand late in the season. I think it was against the Bears, and he wound up playing uh, playing with a cast in, in the season finale against the Rams. So uh, I am guessing, and this is purely speculative, that that he will be able to pass a physical uh, at the time, you know, at the start of the new league year. If he can't pass a physical, uh, then that money is guaranteed only, and the 49ers don't have the freedom to cut him. So that's kind of an interesting wrinkle to it uh with that hand injury but I I'm I'm leaning towards him being okay and being able to pass it but we'll see. Hey, it's Chris. And like the rest of us, you probably made a New Year's resolution. If you're planning to eat better, exercise more, be more patient, kinder or whatever, it all starts with a good night's rest. Go to mypillow.com, click on the four-pack special and enter my promo code cozy, C O Z Y, and you'll get two premium my pillows and two go anywhere pillows. It's amazing what a difference a great pillow makes. If you go to MyPillow.com right now and click on their four-pack, shipping is absolutely free. That's right, no shipping costs. Zippo, zilch, nada, and don't forget about their 60-day money-back guarantee. There's nothing better than the gift of restorative sleep. Go to MyPillow.com, click on the four-pack special, and use my code... Cozy, C O Z Y, to get two premium MyPillows and two go go-anywhere pillows. MyPillow.com or call 800 966 1472. And remember, my promo code can be used for any offer on MyPillow.com. Again, that's promo code COZY COZY. You've heard plenty of stories about drug cartels. They're all over the news, but the crime ring you've probably never heard of is one of the most dangerous in the world. They are the Mennonite Mob. You heard right, Mennonites. of them are kind, God-fearing people, but there's one group that has smuggled millions of dollars in narcotics from Mexico to Canada. Wednesday, starting January 23rd at 10, 9 central, WGN America presents a new TV series, Pure, based on the true events of the Mennonite mob. The show is about Noah Funk, the newly elected Mennonite pastor who is determined to rid his community of the drug cartel. But he finds himself weighing over his head, and the good pastor, along with his wife, will do some very bad things, all in the name of protecting their family. Think of Pure as Breaking Bad meets Witness meets Narcos. Get hooked on Pure. Wednesday starting January 23rd at ten nine central only on WGN America. WGN America is available on DirecTV channel 307, disc channel 239, or check your local cable listings for the channel in your area.
2: Let's move on to the next question. Josh McEwen, I believe is how you pronounce that, at J-M-C-C-U-A-N. Uh, he says, what free agents do you think the Niners go after this offseason? I can see the Kyle and John being very aggressive this offseason as this next season will be the halfway point in their contracts. Improvements must be made this coming year. You want to yeah, start? I, I I agree with that, that the Niners are going to be maybe a little more aggressive in free agency than we've seen them in years past because they are so close to being a a very competitive roster and they have the cap space to add an impact player. I think, I think the biggest name, and I know we have a list that, that we can go through here, but I think the biggest name that stands out and is going to be one tied to the Niners pretty regularly is uh Seahawks safety Earl Thomas. I mean, he knows the defense. He's probably the best player at that uh, free safety spot in this defense, maybe ever. Um, he's, he's just a dynamite player. He's turns 31, I think before the start of next season, 30 or 31. Um, but he's, he's definitely a guy I think will be on the Niners radar. And if they, they do make a splash in free agency, I think that's where it's going to be.
1: Yeah, I would agree with that. And I think their only real competition for that is going to be Dallas and and maybe, maybe going to Dallas is, uh, returning to Texas, which is where he's from and and not having state income tax will be appealing. But I would have to think given the way things ended in Seattle, you'll remember the, the image that we all remember of, of Earl Thomas flipping off the Seahawks sideline as he was carted off the field in Arizona when he when he fractured his leg ending his season, um, that sticks with me. And, and the idea of him having an opportunity to play Seattle twice a year, including going to Seattle every year with the 49ers and rejoining Richard Sherman, I think that that just makes too much sense. And doing that, you're able to to maybe get Adrian Colbert back to number three safety status, which is probably where he's best and obviously that would allow him to work on special teams. Another guy uh, from that same Seahawks team, the linebacker K.J. Wright. Uh, he's he's on the wrong side of 30 to be sure, but he's still a really good player. Uh, he dealt with a knee injury last year that I think uh, it, he only played in uh, – he played in a career-low five games because of that knee injury, but he might be affordable, and I think he would be a good a – good, you know someone Robert Saul is familiar with and and someone who you could stick next to Fred Warner and feel pretty good about your starting linebacker situation.
2: yeah that's the, and that's where more I think we'll we'll see i I know I mentioned Earl Thomas at the top, but I think we see maybe more depth players um as as the guys who they'll they'll go after in free agency maybe not the big splash guys, but uh somebody who they can slot in as a starter for a year or two while they groom a younger player. Um, two, two receivers who really caught my eye are Tyrell Williams from the Chargers and Chris Conley from the chiefs. Uh, Conley didn't have a massively productive year, but he had five touchdowns. All of them came in the red zone. And that's, that was obviously a big issue for the 49ers this year. I think they had a 41.2% touchdown rate in the red zone. That was the worst in the league. And if they can add a receiver, who's going to specifically help in that spot. Um, I think that would, that would be huge. And Tyrell Williams the same way. Uh, He's a big, fast receiver. He can get open all over the field, and that's uh, the kind of receiver. Maybe not a number one or number two guy, but but somebody defenses definitely have to pay attention to when he's on the field. And I think both of those guys could come at at contracts. The Niners could could fit under their cap space.
1: Yeah, and Conley is interesting because you remember I forget which combine it was, but he completely blew it up. He 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 ran like you know sub four four, but he jumped. Uh, I want to say 45 inches in the vertical. Um, and so he, he has the speed and the athleticism that you want. I think where he struggled, which, which might be um, a tipping point for Kyle Shanahan, is, is the, those change of direction drills, the three cone and the 20-yard and 60-yard shuttles. I think he was, he was sort of below average in those, in those stats. But if the Niners want to switch things up and, and get a, a deep threat receiver who can also jump out of the building and be a threat in the red zone, I think Conley would, would certainly make sense. Um, there's golden Tate of the Eagles. Eagles are 12 million in the red at the moment. Um, I I'm interested to see if if Tate would, would garner interest from the 49ers. It it would make sense, but I think he would be probably one of the most expensive options on the, on the free agent market while he tries to, you know, get one last good payday in, um, Brandon Graham, another guy in the Eagles, 42 and a half career sacks. Uh, he had nine and a half in 2017 that, that number fell. I want to say it was four and a half or five this last season but just just a veteran edge guy uh the 49ers could could rely on credibly to both you know play play every down um, at either defensive end spot and uh and I think he would be a productive player for them.
2: Yeah, Alex Okafor and, and Marcus Hunt, Okafor is for uh, plays for the Saints, uh Marcus Hunt plays for the Colts. Uh both guys who uh, Okafor is significantly younger than Hunt, but both of them are are guys who uh, yeah, Okafor is twenty-seven in this last season. He had four sacks, four and a half the year before that. Um, his career high was eight. That came back in twenty fourteen with the Cardinals. Uh, just a just a really consistent edge guy. Same thing with uh, with Marcus Hunt can play uh, can play either end spot uh, and and isn't going to be the answer at edge, but is going to add depth at, at a spot that the Niners badly badly need it. And getting veterans in uh, who can who can get after the passer and stop the run and set the edge. Uh, for for a few snaps a game is is gonna be key, I think, just because of how how uh, bad their depth is right now at uh, at those end spots.
1: And I think one guy that that maybe could cost a little bit more, uh, but is is entering sort of the prime of his career and maybe wasn't as productive with Minnesota as, as they thought he would have been when they made him uh, the ninth overall pick in 2014 is Anthony Barr. Mm. I think he would be a good Sam linebacker in, in base situations. And, uh, and a you know edge rusher and throwing downs. And you know, he only had three sacks last year and a sack the year before that. He has 13 and a half over his five seasons in Minnesota, and he could be on his way out. But just just a player that not, not a guy you like bank on to to completely change the complexion of your front seven and, and solve all of your issues, particularly with the pass rush, but maybe a guy you add for depth uh, and versatility because I think one thing we've seen over these last few years, is that versatility along the defensive front is is super important. And being able to you know, line up anywhere, being able to line up on the end or even pass rush from the inside or you know match up against uh, tight ends if you have to or running backs in the flat, it's really important to be able to be scheme versatile. And I think Barr could be one of those players with with sort of untapped potential. And the 49ers might look at him. He's going to turn 27 in March uh, as a guy that they could target and potentially upgrade the linebacking group.
2: Uh, John Justice got another question in here at John Justice. Uh, what's the deal with Shanahan denying other teams the ability to interview his assistants, specifically Scangarello? Uh, how common is this in the NFL? Also, any update on Skangarello to Denver would be awesome. Hopefully he stays for at least next season.
1: So as of uh, when we started reporting this podcast, the it, reports had come out of Denver, I think from Mike Cleese of News 9 there. Uh, said that Skangarello had been given permission to interview for their vacancy at offensive coordinator. And so, generally, how this stuff works is anything other than a head coaching job is considered a lateral move for assistance. So, if you have a position coach and another team wants to hire that person as a, or at least interview that person for a coordinator opening, you can deny it. But you can't deny somebody looking for. Uh, someone interviewing for a head coaching position. So, I mean, if you're the 49ers and, and you like your coaching staff, then you can just deny, uh, deny other teams, the, the chance to, to interview that, that coach for uh, a coordinator job. And so generally, you know, teams, teams sign these coaches. Normally there are two year deals, I think. And so, um, so it could be that Scangarello, you know, the, so, okay, let's, let's backtrack a little bit. Friday, there were reports coming out that the 49ers did not allow or give permission to the Broncos to interview Scangarello, And that changed apparently over the weekend, or he's going to interview with them early this week. Um, so, I mean, if you're Kyle Shanahan and you really like your coaching staff and you have guys under contract, then you're under no obligation to let them interview elsewhere. Uh, and I could understand why Kyle Shanahan would would want to keep Scangarello around as his quarterback's coach because. You know Shanahan is the 49ers' offensive coordinator, um, and Scangarello has been has been you know arguably one of the most important coaches on the staff. Just with how he's been able to get Jimmy Garoppolo up to speed so early in 2017, how I got Nick Mullins to you know he helped Nick Mullins play pretty well here in 2018. Um, so Shanahan could say, "Look, I, I have this guy under contract. I know it's it's it could be a nice promotion." for him to become a coordinator elsewhere, but I do want to keep this guy around. Um, but there's also the relationship aspect of it. And Shanahan might be really happy to, to let Scangarello go interview elsewhere and become an offensive coordinator. And then that allows Shanahan to, to get somebody else in there. Um, and it's also a good look for Shanahan to, you know, we, we talk about coaching trees a lot, right? Like if if somebody from Shanahan's coaching tree with the 49ers goes on and turns into a productive offensive coordinator somewhere else and then maybe becomes a head coach somewhere else then obviously that reflects really well on Shanahan so it's it's really a case-by-case decision and Shanahan uh, it's ultimately up to him whether he wants to let these guys uh, leave and and in some cases I think you know there are guys that he relies on a lot um, and they're they're key components to his coaching staff and he simply can say we have this guy under contract. We don't want him to leave. Uh, we want him to to remain because he's he's important to what we do. And so, but it's a balance. It's all about relationships um, and and how sort of Shanahan wants to maneuver that. But I think he looks at it now that Scangarello has permission uh, that maybe, you know, maybe there's another coach he has in mind that that could replace him and, and capably coach up the quarterback.
2: Yeah, and Scangarello has done such a nice job the last couple of years, especially – uh, you know, with Nick Mullins this year coming in as an undrafted free agent in his second year and playing as well as he did, I think that reflects really well on uh, Skangarello. And the fact of the matter is, with the way the NFL is going, and you see all these these staffers from the Ram staff being hired elsewhere, or or, or aiming to be hired elsewhere. If the Forty ers had won twelve games last year, uh, Skangarello probably would have gotten a call last year, multiple calls last year. And same goes, same goes for this year. This is going to start happening. Um, as the Niners uh, start having more success, because that's just the way the NFL is is headed. You get somebody as brilliant offensively as Kyle Shanahan, you're going to want uh, as many connections to him as possible. and And it wouldn't surprise me if Scangarello is not only an offensive coordinator very soon, but if he gets a crack at being a head coach, if he has any kind of success uh, in, in that area. And if he doesn't
1: get the Denver job, Kyle Shanahan, you know, could always promote him, and right. and he could get. You know, he could get a pay bump and he could become the 49ers offensive coordinator by name. Um, although, you know, I don't think uh, I don't think Shanahan would, would give up play calling duties. I think that's that's one of the main reasons he's there is to call plays. So
2: the the just just in, there, there's precedent for that with uh, with Sean McVay, uh, Matt LaFleur, who's now the head coach of the Green Bay Packers. He was the Titans offensive coordinator last year, but the year before that, he was the Rams offensive coordinator, but he didn't call plays. Uh, he was an offensive coordinator in title. Uh, the reason he made that move to become the Titans OC was so he could call plays. So uh, that bump up in title would be a nice bump in pay for Scangarella. But like you said, I don't, I don't think that would come with play calling duties. And he could still move on uh, from San Francisco for a better opportunity if if that arises.
1: Yeah, and it's also something worth bringing up. The Forty Nineers uh, denied the the Packers, Browns, and Vikings. Uh, the chance to to interview Mike LaFleur, who's their wide receivers coach, um, and obviously the, the brother of, of new Packers coach, Matt LaFleur. Um, so he's an integral part of, of Shanahan's offensive staff, just in terms of game planning and, and coaching up the receivers. And, and uh, the 49ers also rejected interview requests uh, from Mike McDaniel, who's, who's the running game coordinator and running backs coach. Um, and just because Shanahan, you know, is the offensive coordinator – and, and also the head coach, he's spread pretty thin when, when it comes to, to game planning and things like that. So it's it's pretty clear, as long as these guys, LaFleur and, and McDaniel, maybe less so with Scangarello, but as long as these guys are under contract, Kyle Shanahan wants to keep these guys around to ensure the 49ers have the best staff possible. Uh, and maybe down the road, you know, if, if they can't come to new contract terms and, and maybe Shanahan can't match the type of offers that they would get on the open market, then maybe Shanahan does those guys a solid and says, yeah, you guys can go interview elsewhere. Good luck. And, and, uh, cause like I said, the, the, the plus side of that is it reflects well on Shanahan. If those guys do well, because then he, his pool of, of potential coaches to add to his staff can increase because they look at him and say, wow, this guy really develops coaches too. All right. So with that, I think that's it for today. Um, I'm going to spend the rest of the week trying to avoid getting sick. I apologize for sneezing during the pod. Uh, you can download, rate, and review Candlestick Chronicles on the Blue Wire Network whenever you get your podcast. And we'll talk to you guys next time.
0: Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants—they all depend on you.